outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms I like them because it gives you hand-free calling meaning when you're working a bird up close you can have your gun on your knee finger on the trigger ready to roll and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls because I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give him the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like him. I just have Yanni use his. Then I'll have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, bringing you the latest reports from the Whitetail Woods. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel for the stand, saddle, or blind. First Light. Go farther, stay longer. And now, your hosts... KC Smith and Tyler Jones. Welcome to Rut Fresh Radio. I'm your host, KC Smith, and it is full fledged December right now, guys. That means late season patterns and all the good cold stuff that comes with that. But there is still opportunity to kill the buck of your lifetime. This is Rut Fresh. Let's go. What is happening, all my woods people? This is Rut Fresh Radio, brought to you by First Light Gear. And I've got my favorite, just First Light apparel wearer on the phone right now, Tyler Jones. What are you doing? Oh, yeah. In Oklahoma. <laughs> trying hard, but it ain't happening, boy. Man, let me, let me just ask you a general question, because we're going to get into some, some Rut Freshness here in a bit. Um, but... Does it work to try harder in deer hunting, Tyler? Uh, it can. It can. Good answer. Um, <laughs> in fact, it usually does if you just say try harder. If you're talking about going in further, it, it's not always that way. No. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's yeah. something you're experiencing at the moment? 
Yeah, yeah. goodness, dude. Um, yeah, I've been I hunted last night a mile and a half, like straight line. I, there's no telling how much I actually walked because I went further than that in and found out there wasn't a tree. Um, according to the aerial, there was, but um, there wasn't a tree when I got in there. So since the grass is I don't know, 17, 18 foot. Um, I decided to <laughs> not, uh, hang out there too long. Went and got in a tree, um, actually near some ag and had three does and a spike come out within bow range of me. I picked the right tree. I just didn't see the buck I wanted. So I don't know. I'm making a, I may try to get in further, um, and deeper into the nasty, nasty grass that is, the plain states this year after all the timely rain they had good golly man that's uh you know it's like uh rich people problems you know like we all complain mm-hmm. about the drought and then we have this year which we'll find out later from some of our guests that the drought there is some drought in the country but the plains got a lot of rain and with yeah. that comes a ton of cover yeah well that's what happens when you get rain in june but i don't think it's rained a whole lot since yeah um Cause I'm seeing the same thing. It's pretty, they got, they had some snow and rain last week. So now they're, you know, it looks like it rained recently. And in fact, I think it might have, uh, there's not many fresh tracks uh, to be seen. So, you know, what's fresh, I guess that's, mm-hmm. that's a upside to it, but uh, it has been pretty dry. I think since in since this summer and, and, and until just recently. Yeah. So, um, you're going to do kind of a guest interview kind of at the beginning right. of this thing, right? Uh, but uh-huh. It's going to be a little extended because you and I have been hunting together some and we're apart right now. So I'm interested in what you got going on, but um, you're in Oklahoma. And would you yeah. say that in Oklahoma you are still in the rut right now? Or the deer are? Maybe you're always in the rut, Tyler, but what are the deer doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Man, it's uh, – I just actually uh, just bombed into a spot that's remote and not super far in, but it's just, like, hard to get to. There's a bunch of beaver sloughs and stuff around, and um, the grass is super tall, and you're, like, backtracking, trying not to go – like, it's too deep here, so you got to cross over there, you know. But I guess uh, what I'm saying is I, I, I had this little high spot that had, like, I don't know, five or six elm trees in it and one cedar. And there was a rub on the cedar, pretty high. And then there was like several scrapes in there around mm. those elms. And um, and then it crosses this slough and goes into some ag. Mm-hmm. And I, man, I think I saw a fresh track in one of the scrapes. I don't know if there was a fresh track outside of that in any of the scrapes that I, that I looked at, which I only looked at a few like really close, um, probably three. But mm-hmm. then the other three or however many I saw, you know, I, I would look at from eight foot, 10 foot away or whatever, and just didn't look like anything fresh in there. So, hmm. and then the rub also wasn't, you know, for a cedar, it should be pretty orange if it's fresh. And it was, it was more on the brown side. It's wild. Like I would expect the deer to still be rutting right now here in Oklahoma, but it is not really appearing that way. In fact, I saw the spike come out behind those and did not once act ready and then i saw another buck uh probably 800 yards away and he sat and fed in ag food ag field for the whole evening 45 minutes probably Golly. and did not one time like 
do anything else, not cruise, not, you know, look up and try to see something. I mean, there was another deer with him over there. I don't know what it was, but he never got frisky with that or anything. So mm. shoot a monkey, man. Well, it is kind of, kind of tough whenever you start encountering stuff like that. And I think that this is something that a lot of people around the country might start seeing because, you know, two thirds of the country has a rut that is based around November, right? And that's an arbitrary number I'm throwing out there, but that's kind of where it comes to in my mind. And so a lot of guys focus their efforts on hunting during those times. And then some guys tag out, some guys don't, and then there's guys that are left trying to kind of, you know, uh, pick up the scraps and try to still kill a deer post-rut. But there's, it's like you're dealing with the leftovers of a ton of pressure, so I, I kind of think that, you know, you're hunting public ground and, and that's a thing that could be happening. Um, how does a dude just circumvent, like, maybe there's not pressure now, but there had been. What do you look for uh, in a situation like that? Um, well, Don't I give think... me a scar- sarcastic answer. I can tell it's what you're trying not to do. <laughs> uh, okay, it's, uh, it's thick and it's remote and those are those are two places it was the same things i always look for though yeah are thick and remote and then um like also just the overlook spot so it's the three spots that you always look for uh but the problem is you just have to look harder i think right now Mm -hmm. you gotta the idea is just to strap the boots on and go after it man i mean and that's what i'm doing and i'm dude i'm telling you last night i was like my my calves are on the brink of cramping and i don't cramp very easy man and uh I mean, it was just like, you know, just ridiculous amounts of just, you know, and it's hot. That's, that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it's pretty cold this morning. In fact, it was cold enough that, you know, when I tried to separate my, uh, sticks, I just ripped my entire, you know, all my skin off, but, um, <laughs> it's, uh, it was like probably 28 this morning. So mm-hmm. for us in, you know, I guess the South Oklahoma, um, you know, it was, it was cold. Uh, but like during the day it's getting up into like mid sixties and you know, it's, it's hard to go walking six miles in an afternoon when it's that hot, you know, you're Mm -hmm. just going to sway. You can't carry enough water. So, um, I don't know. You just gotta, you just gotta be the guy who's meaner than the rest of the people, I guess. And, uh, you know, wants to go out there and try to find, find something or, uh, you just use your map uh expertise and you know you just say okay well this should work it's overlooked whatever i'm gonna i'm gonna give her a shot which is what i just did i tried to do and i found scrapes and i found a rub i found some pretty fresh trails um and i bumped three does out of uh a spot pretty like probably 200 yards from the road so i mean it can it can work it's just so you know we, always. we tend to be running gunners like all the time. I don't really think about it that way. It's just kind of the way we hunt. I'm not like, I'm a running gun guy, you know, but I've been thinking about it some the last couple of weeks, and that's kind of how we operate no matter what time of year it is. But I think yeah. that um, that might not always be the best. I think that if it's the heavy rut, then you could be better off just sitting that pinch point for a while and he'll come by, you know. But mm-hmm. we tend to not do that. We, uh, Well, if we want to be completely honest – uh, it doesn't make very good video when you just sit in the same spot all the time. And that's one of the things that <laughs> one of the things that we move around for. But I personally I always feel like um if I ain't moving, I'm not trying hard enough. You know, I need yeah. to be trying to figure it out the whole time. And um so do you think that right now, kinda in your situation, 
that moving around is the way to find a deer to get on? Are they are they kind of are those bucks drawn back into their core areas? Or are they still out on the move roaming? Um, see, this is I feel like we're getting back into like our early season pattern uh-huh. where rut's not raging. I did see one buck yesterday, probably three quarters of a mile from the road, maybe not quite, and. He looked like a decent frame buck, and he just stared into the grass with his ears pinned, you know, pinned forward for like five minutes. And then he finally, like, took off with his head down like he was rutting. So I, I thought yesterday things were different. But now I'm looking at sign and stuff, and I'm actually on the ground. It just looks different. And I, I based off of sign and what I saw last night uh, and didn't see this morning, um, it just seems like it's more like a early season pattern. So to me, it feels like you got to bounce mm-hmm. uh, if you're not seeing it. Like, I mean, the only time, I don't know. And I might end up hunting the same tree tonight. There's actually probably like nearly a 50% chance that I hunt the same tree tonight that I hunted last night. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of hope that, you know, a buck is still doing a little bit of stuff where like last night he ended up in a different spot. And so he's going to come out into the wheat, you know, a little bit or not necessarily into the wheat, but, you know, to the edge of the wheat, um, you know, in the time that I can get a shot. So that's, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I have to bounce around. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, I think you probably have to as well, unless you have some weather changes, you know, I think, and we're going to hear from our guests, uh, around the country here in a bit about like what the weather, cause weather's really big right now. If you have this hot spell, it's tough to kill deer just straight up. Especially if you're hunting public ground where the mornings are better because it's cooler and you, you you have to walk. Like, access is difficult. Like, you you just feel like you're bumping deer, right? So, it's like mm-hmm. you're just condemned either direction, you know. it's And that's pretty mm-hmm. pretty tough to, to, to stomach, really. So, maybe, you know, a steel hunt um, might be the thing to do. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of spitballing, you know, as, as far as, like, what to do right then. Um, so, it's hard to self-film. Uh still hunting though that's the that's the one thing you know i I would be on the ground right now calling i think Mm -hmm. um if it you know if we're being honest like if i'm if i'm listening to this right now i think that's probably more what i would be doing uh that's my advice i guess is get out there and call make some racket i think they still are going to be interested and have been hearing a little bit of that in the last few weeks and i'm hoping that i can find a way to pull it off out of a tree because it feels like that's the way to do it right now i just i can't film it by myself you know yeah. you know uh i don't know if it was you or greg or michael or somebody made the point the other day that um they felt like rattling worked better like late rut or post rut because those deer have like heard that quite a bit already and i, I never yeah. thought about that that way you know i kind of always thought that uh you know they know what rattling is but they yeah. might have to relearn it every year and, and there's always like a three-year-old that I'd probably shoot that probably doesn't know what that ain't smart enough to know what that is. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So that's that's a good point, man. I never. Really well, it's like the it's like when you go fly fishing and a huge hatch happens and then it and then it goes away mm-hmm. and you can still throw that a fly down there and they're they're still familiar with it. You know? Yeah. Like a salmon fly hatch or something that moves up the river real mm-hmm. quick. Yeah. So got to just catch one in the right mood, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so as far as oklahoma goes if you wanted to give just a a bonus an auxiliary uh statement as far as what you think buck is going to be like over the next week what do you think man 
On a scale of one to two? Yeah, one to two. Or zero to one. <laughs> Good or not? <laughs> oh, man. Over the next week. Well, I know what the weather looks like for the rest of the days I got up here. Um, and for my hunt, I'll just talk about that because I don't know what happens after this weekend uh, too much. But I would say we're looking at probably – a three until we get some really mm. if we if we can get some quickly get some pretty harsh weather i think things could change yeah yeah and so uh i had a three how confident are you that you're gonna come home with a deer oh <laughs> is that also a three <laughs> yeah, oh it's a negative three oh, no. <laughs> um i feel like see i'm i'm just i'm not gonna shoot anything i'm probably gonna try to hold out for like i don't know a deer with like either a big eight or like a small nine or ten not mm-hmm. a small but like a you know medium-sized nine or ten mm-hmm. i don't know uh, that's kind of what i'm thinking like I, i'm not coming home with a doe so i i feel like i felt like when i was coming up here that i felt like i was going to have a really good shot at shooting a deer and now that i'm here and seeing this stuff uh, I feel like I really don't have a very good chance of shooting a deer. Um, but this is a particular piece of property that's, it's got a lot of tall grass. I can't see anything. I mean, I had, I legit, the doe, the first doe I saw last night, I could not see her until she was at 30 yards. Wow. So, and that's, I mean, and I felt like that I would have been able to see her 150 out there, but mm-hmm. I couldn't. So, yeah, it's tough, man. It's tough. But I think, you know, if I'm going to give somebody some hope is that, A, the weather is nice enough that, like, it's comfortable to be out here and hunting. It's not, <laughs> you know, like a chore, you know, um, especially if you've got, <clears throat> excuse me, especially if you've got some private, you know, it's uh, it makes it nice. But I think, like, if you, I would, if I had to, you know, take some time away from the family or whatever, I would probably sit on uh, the next big cold front and, and be, you know, looking for a bed to food pattern. And I would assume that there's going to be some bucks that are killed on that next big cold front. Cool, man. Well, hopefully that is in the forecast. I don't know that it is in our, uh, soon forecast. I haven't seen one, but you know, those things can pop up at any time. So we all got something to look forward to until they don't let us go hunting for anymore so then it's the season's truly over at that point in time (laughs) (laughs) but uh anyways let's uh actually this week we're going to hear from our buddy dudley phelps dud the stud down in mississippi tony peterson has been after the deer in the cold north of minnesota and our friend matt die has been hunting and observing over in missouri he's got a good report there and then Jordan Hotchkiss from Timber Ninja is going to round us out in South Carolina. Right here, I've got Dudley Phelps with Mossy Oak Gamekeepers. And if you have ever bought anything from Native Nurseries, he is the guy. His fingerprint is on it. What's going on, dude? Man, not much. It's always good to hear from you. I'm, I've always been a big fan of the Element guys, so... Glad to hear from you. It's been a while. Well, thanks, man. Yeah, we uh, exchange text y'all, message every once in a while, but I hadn't talked to you on the yeah. phone in a good while. And I've I've been following y'all. You guys have just had a stellar season, uh, and most importantly, having a lot of fun. Y'all are 
Y'all seem to be really good at, at that part. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if you're having fun, you ain't living, man. So that's what that's what we try to make happen around here. And I know you're the same. And people's fun is different paced a little bit. You've been hunting down in Mississippi, and we were talking beforehand about just kind of how our hunts go and different things. And, yeah. and you very much uh, embrace kind of a more traditional way of hunting, I would say. You kind of do the still hunting thing and – and walk around and take things in, which you're a very observant guy. So I bet you're pretty good at it. I'm, I'm, I'm decent. I, I <laughs> you know, I, I fill the freezer. That's, that's good. That's, that's my trophy. Um, <laughs> so that's cool, man. Well, uh, Mississippi is a, is a Southern rut state, right? So we want to talk about some of that stuff a little bit. Uh, in general on the whitetail calendar, where are y'all at there in Mississippi? I would say we are, you know, early pre-rut, you know, it, it varies across a lot of the state. Uh, the Mississippi Department of Wildlife, Fisheries, and Parks puts out a rut date map that people can check out, like if they're ever coming to visit, um, and it's it's spot on. But That's around cool. here, I would call it early pre-rut. The, you know, I, I think most people are going to be shifting their cameras from, like, feed to, to scrapes, you mm-hmm. know, about now. You know, scrape activity probably started about a week ago and in, in a lot of places in the state uh the butts are ready the does are not so it's it's not crazy chasing time yet but uh you know they're there's we're starting to see you know more photos and daylight and you know that early scrape activity mm-hmm. uh, is, is kind so, of what's going on right so right now. now your tactic uh you were telling me a little bit about earlier but you're you're moving a lot right i am uh i probably hunt public i don't know 60 or 70 percent of the time and i move around a lot there and then when i hunt private i i kind of do the you know keeping the pressure low game mm-hmm. uh, but uh you know i've been looking for feed trees we've had a really poor acorn year around here um and i have found a rare species of oak uh, called swamp laurel oaks uh, they drop their leaves really late. So, like, I can get on Onyx right now uh, and look at that recent imagery, and I can find little pockets of green trees down in the river bottoms, and that's going to probably going to be those swamp laurel oaks that are just starting to drop. That's and, pretty sharp. There's no other acorns in the woods right now. So huh. that's going to be my strategy. How about it's, that? I'm still hunting food. Yeah, well, that's cool, dude. Then that's a high-level tip right there. As far as like finding the trees that might have leaves on them still, and there's a good chance it's those trees. That's that's pretty. Good. So that tree is a lot like a water oak too, from what I have seen. Just what you they're posted. almost impossible to tell apart. Okay, yeah. and what differentiates it outside uh, of like the you leaf know, is microscope just stuff. a little <laughs> bit. The leaf is just a little bit different. Um, they're tardily deciduous, so the you know the the leaves. It's not a true evergreen, mm-hmm. but they stay on a lot later. Than, than your regular water oak that typically drops acorns in, uh, you know, like mid to late October. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And, and so guys kind of across the south, you can kind of paint a little bit broader stroke and say that those uh, high tanning, you know, um, water oaks, laurel oaks, willow oaks, those are going to be pretty uh, key things to target on a, on a low acorn year, huh? Oh, yes. They will they'll gobble them up. Mm-hmm. They'll walk right past a corn pile to go to – 
acorns, even if they don't taste as good to us. <laughs> I guarantee you. know that they need them. For I ain't trying reason. to eat those, that's for sure. <laughs> well, what do you yeah. think is going to be going on in the woods on, uh, on the upcoming week as far as rut movement goes? Well, uh, in, the, in the areas I hunt, it's probably my favorite time of the year to hunt. You know, it's, it's typically like what, you know, we refer to as the second weekend of muzzleloader season in Mississippi. Uh, in a lot of areas, that's when you start seeing, uh, you know, chasing beginning. You know, bucks are going to randomly come out onto a food plot when they normally wouldn't. Um, you know, but it's, it's before the chasing gets just absolutely crazy to where it's almost hard to make a shot on one. But, uh, yeah, this next week is where it's going to pick up a good bit in a lot of areas of the state. Mm -hmm. Well, that's exciting, man. So if you had to rank uh, what you predict the buck movement to be like on a scale of 1 to 10 in your part of Mississippi there, what would you say it for the next week? I'd probably say a 6. You know, it's not quite as much movement as as we want, but they're not moving so much that it's hard to get a bead on them when Mm -hmm. they're they're chasing. That makes sense. Yeah. I would almost call it a searching phase, and the younger deer are chasing, if that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah. That makes good not sense. Not quite full on, but it's easier to get get them in the scope or mm-hmm. uh, get, them, you know, get them in the crosshairs. You know? Yeah. That's cool, Dudley. We appreciate the information, man, and I hope you have a great rest of the season. Well, you all do the same, and I'll, uh, I'll look forward to seeing more from you guys. Now I've got my friend Tony Peterson, who is a deer slayer. If y'all didn't know, I'm sure you do. He's with Meat Eater. What's happening, Tony? Not much, man. I don't I don't feel like a, a real deer slayer lately. I feel like a deer looker for kind of guy. Isn't that anyway. weird how it goes? Like, uh, you and I were just talking beforehand. We both had very nice seasons where we killed some deer, but it's like, it's the what have you done for me lately thing. You go two weeks without having a good encounter, and you're like, man, I'm terrible at this, right? Yeah. Dude, I've been I've been dividing my time between some public land in western Minnesota and some private land here by my house in eastern Minnesota. I can't even see a deer here on the east side, and the ones I see on the west side are in eight foot tall cot or cattails. So I'm like, it's almost like I'm hunting ghosts right now. <laughs> well, that's probably what the problem is. They probably put on Mark's white sheet, and they look like ghosts out there running around and just camouflage into the snow, and they're hard to find. If deer ever figure out that trick, we're toast. At least Dude, you are. I don't. They don't need to. I mean, <laughs> the deer that I've been hunting in those cattail sloughs, it's like the, we we've had a dry year, so there was a real growth in those cattails. And when I walk in there to pheasant hunt, some of those spots they're like ten feet tall. Mm. And so even where the growth wasn't that great, if you put a deer in there, I mean, you could hide an elk in there. Yeah. Let alone a whitetail. And so it's like they're they're you know. It's almost like they're underground. It's like it doesn't do you any good till they step out, you know. How are you? How are you finding like specific, either deer or areas to target? Well, the good thing about that, you know, you guys know this is those areas you can observe pretty well, mm-hmm. and so I mean, you lose them when they get into the cover, but you can kind of predict a pattern. And the cool thing about it is, is you get an aerial view of those cattail sloughs. They look kind of like mono habitat, but then you see a little patch of willows in there or a little vein of phragmites, which is that tall invasive grass. Mm-hmm. And those bucks follow that stuff. It's unbelievable. I, I, in fact, two weeks ago, we had a little bit of fresh snow when I was down and I started tracking just tracks in the slough. 
And I got on seven different sets of tracks and jumped seven deer out of their beds, including three bucks close mm. within like 20, 30 yards. Mm-hmm. And following a buck track through there was like a, a education that was just amazing to me. How they they stick to those lines of cover and how they travel with the wind in there and everything and where they bed. It's just, it's so cool. They have so many advantages and they know how to use them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... You were, uh, I guess it sounds like you were kind of doing the old, uh, just track them up and try to shoot them thing, huh? Well, I did that because I was, I had posted up for three sits Mm. and had had some really close opportunities Mm -hmm. or I should say they, they were, they could have broke my way. They just didn't. Mm -hmm. And then when I was leaving, cause it's a couple hours to get out there for me. When I was leaving one morning, I had, I had blanked. And I knew those deer made it back into the cattails and they didn't go by me. Mm-hmm. And so I just happened to have a lucky set of circumstances where there was fresh snow and I started getting on the tracks and man, it was like the most fun I've had all season, even though I knew the odds of getting a good shot were real low. Mm-hmm. But man, when you can, when you can follow how a deer walked into a cattail slough, the route he took to get to his bed and then see where his bed is and when he was in it, it's just, it was cool, man. Yeah. Man, when I think of cold weather, I think of trying to hunt deer that are uh, actively headed to food sources because they just got to eat when they get cold, right? Is that something you're targeting or is there just food everywhere in that country? Um, There's there's enough food, but the, the pressure is everything. Mm-hmm. The, the, day, the day before I did that little tracking festival, I, I saw 14 deer go into that cattail slough in the morning and I saw 20 hunters on that property throughout the day. Hmm. Wow. So their whole thing is they've got nine hours of daylight or whatever, however much daylight we have, they go lay low and then they have all night to feed and not get harassed. Mm-hmm. And so the deer I'm hunting anyway, it's all tied to pressure. Gotcha. Like it, you can kind of predict and go, oh, they're going to go to that cut cornfield or whatever, but they're not going to get anywhere near that until dark. Hmm. Yeah, well, it seems like, at least looking at kind of the weather forecast for your area up there, you have very consistent days ahead. Like even, there's not, there's like one day in the 50s, but it's really like 40s and 30s and and lows that are all pretty similar. So with that, like just looming on the horizon, there's no fronts to kind of hunt. uh, What do you think is going to be going on over the next week? I don't think it's going to be very easy. Yeah. (laughs) We are are unseasonably warm here. Mm And, you know, we got a little bit of snow this morning that'll be gone. And, you know, this happens like once every, I don't know, five or 10 years where I'll be bow hunting like Christmas day or Christmas Eve and there'll be no snow. And, you know, other years we'll have snow that starts in the beginning of November. And so we don't, they're not stressed. Like this is a great winter so far to get them like recovered from the rut and not have a big die off in the winter. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it makes it a heck of a lot harder because they don't have to work that hard right now and they're they're not gonna risk it (laughs) yeah i don't blame them man it can't be too risky up in the north country (laughs) so if you had to give the uh next week a a rating on the scale of one to ten for buck movement what would you think it would be man i'll I'll give it a three but i'll I'll qualify it by saying you should still hunt anyway (laughs) i like it the optimism is good man that's that's what you gotta have i mean if you're looking at a three you gotta be optimistic so that's good stuff man tony i really appreciate it dude i hope you uh find one more big one awesome thanks buddy
Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can into your gas tank and let it do its job. Now you probably know someone who's used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash MeatEater. I've got my brother Matt Dye on the phone. He is with Landon Legacy, and you might have seen him on TV with a show called Huntworks. Matt, what's happening, man? Not much, dude. Just rolling through, uh, rolling through season, yeah. and trying to keep trying to keep my head above water with work and everything like that. But that's just the the norm. Yeah. What's going on in your world? Well, right now I'm watching two Roadrunners posture to one another, which is a pretty Ooh. fun thing. Oh, there's three. There's a he's chasing a grasshopper. It's going down around here. With the <laughs> which uh, oh he's running under my car right now goodness gracious okay back to deer sorry wow. I get distracted yeah um but uh 
Yeah, I'm just home from a hunt, man, and, and uh, trying to figure out what's going on around the country. You're in Missouri, and you've yes, got um, kind of a interesting take as to what's been happening in the woods lately, right? Yes, it's it's such an interesting time of this the season for us. You know, Missouri's got a a rifle season that is short and sweet, an eleven day season, um, but it hits right in the smack that middle of the rut and there is an incredible amount of pressure that happens during that time frame. I think this year's totals were somewhere around 170,000 deer that were harvested in the state in that 11-day period. Wow. And so there is just an incredible amount of um, just all of a sudden just random pressure that just hits the deer woods. And at that same time frame, deer are most active. And so as you, like, rebound after and you know the, the following few weeks you've got the post rut that happens and then now we're kind of in this weird tweener stage of there's a little bit of rutting activity there's a whole lot of deer that just feel like they're almost coming out of the holes in the ground after all of that pressure and that's kind of that scenario we're finding ourselves in right now from both in the field observations as well as trail camera observations it's like who made it through and is there any pattern to what you're doing right now? Mm-hmm. It's kind of the mindset. And so right now you're fixing to go out on an evening hunt because you've been kind of following show camera data, right? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the bed to food pattern is really beginning to take its place after that post rut activity has really started to subside. Deer still, bucks are still hitting scrapes and checking those on the way out to um, some of the larger food sources which is great place, obviously, from the camera to get kind of an in- inventory of what's happening. But um, started to see quite a few of the bucks from kind of the pre-rut, early November swing, starting to settle back into kind of that uh, evening pattern of bed to food, which is great. And to see inventory-wise who actually just made it. So that's kind of what the tactic is for right now. We've actually got a pretty cold day here for us to, um, today then we kind of get in this little warming trend mm-hmm. for the next four or five days but we've got high pressure northwest wind and it's going to kind of push some deer to feed and a lot of this is is honestly clover in a large secluded um hay field and so it's not like it's a big crop field or anything like that in my region that we're hunting but some recent temperatures, some recent rain, the clovers popped, and the deer are heading to it for sure. Yeah, so I'm going to give you an opportunity to just soak it, showcase your skills, man, because you land management is your business. It's what you do, and you're really good at it, and you approach it from such a unique, holistic approach, and I really appreciate it. So I would imagine that your properties that you get to hunt, um, you do your best, at least, uh, within your limitations to be able to kind of make them places that deer would like to be right and that clover i'm sure. guessing is a, a big part of that yeah I'm, I, absolutely and for us being in the southern half of missouri <clears throat> sir we, we absolutely get cold mm-hmm. um but a lot of people overlook overlook clover and uh, a, a good standard perennial white clover into late season but if you get these warming trends and there's moisture whether it's from frost or whatever that clover is going to liven back up and as soon as that happens deer respond to it and that may be that could be winter wheat in your area but just mm-hmm. for us and in our general resources um in, in this landscape 
that's that's kind of what we key into now if we have a big bumper crop of red oak acorns we're also going to key into that at this time of the year if there's any more left over but between clover that starts to pop back um as well as the red oaks then man we're, we're definitely keen on that from a food source standpoint mm. two weeks from now i'll be in western iowa kind of northwestern iowa and it's t- completely different. Like that's we're hunting standing grain, standing soybeans on a couple different farms, and that's the the game there. But for us in this region, you, you gotta hunt where you gotta hunt the resources that they're after. And mm-hmm. for us right now, weather, temperatures, they're hitting clover. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Makes a lot of sense, man. And uh, so if we look at that warming trend you're talking about, it's kind of a thing, at least here. In the South and the Midwest, it's just what we're looking at. And it makes it for kind of, I don't know, what you feel like might be stagnant deer activity. But there's always a move, right? There's always something to do. So yep. if you if you looked at, at kind of our weather and the time of year and you have it to give it a rating on a scale of 1 to 10 of what you think buck movement will be like over the next week, what would you rate it? I'm going to go with a I'm going to go with a five. Okay. For, for two reasons, which is about just as plain Jane as possible. <laughs> so, so the reason I give it like, hey, there's some chance there is is because of just the the um, the biology of the animal. Like they're coming out of the rut where they've expended a ton of energy, so they're going to hit food sources for sure. Um, if you get a high pressure day, despite temperatures being maybe a touch warm or something, they're probably going to move within daylight. Um, so there's some decent chances that you might get a, a swing or a crack at a buck. Mm-hmm. But if not, if you, if it just gets warm and you don't have, you know, decent wind or, 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 or that pressure situation, then you could be sitting there twiddling your thumbs and see a bunch of fawns and does and <laughs> not your target till after dark. Right. Yep. So, um, it's really that hit or miss. And, and I'd say that for, for the, just the time of the year itself, um, I'm really going to start keying into as we get to mid-December. Um, okay, are any fawns coming into heat? Any any fawns coming into estrus? But then also, when when are we going to get those two to three day cold snaps that just kind of set in here? I want to hunt the front of it, but I want to hunt the back end of it. But for us, the next couple of days, it's pretty pretty stagnant. So. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a five. Hey, man, five's better than a zero. That's for sure. Matt, appreciate it, dude. (laughs) Thanks so much for the report. No problem, man. Jordan Hotchkiss is here. He's been hunting in North Carolina, probably out of a timber ninja if I had to imagine. Jordan, what's happening, man? Just getting after it. How about you, buddy? Hey, about the same. You know, actually, I'm in a little bit of a lull here. Uh, I've been on the road for a good portion of the month of November, and I've got five or six days here at the house to – to just soak up some family time and it's actually well appreciated um it's a and it's a it's a good time of year to do that weather's still nice and all you know so what's it like in oh, your yeah. neck of the woods yeah about the same man i got a i got three little kids so if i'm not working or spending time with the family i'm i'm trying to be in the woods as much as i can but right now is a little bit of a lull out there so it's a good time to try to get it in while i can before i hit it hard the last three weeks of the season i got you so uh, can you explain that we were talking a little bit off air about the lull that we're all kind of experiencing right now, but in your part of the country there in North Carolina, how does the rut lay out usually? Yeah. So I'm in, uh, in the Appalachian mountains in Western North Carolina. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's, it's 
very sporadic, really. I mean, that first week in November could be hit hit or miss, depending on uh, really what holler you're in. But um, usually we'll have an uptick there around Thanksgiving. Um, this year, Thanksgiving was really good. A lot of bucks hit the ground, some real good cruising activity. Um, and then right now it's starting to die off. Um, they're, they're hard on food right now. And then the last, the next, I'd say next week, it'll start ramping up a little bit, but those last, uh, two weeks of season is really one of the best times for rut activity. It seems like those yearling does come, uh, finally coming to heat Mm -hmm. and and those bucks just really get back on the move trying to catch those young does. Gotcha. And, And, you know, North Carolina, as far as latitude goes, it's pretty far north, but it's still like what I would consider the south, especially we have similar accents. And then also, you know, like uh, the the climate there is probably going to be more like that, right? Uh, yes, I'm not I'm not exactly sure about what your climate is, but I mean, it's <laughs> in the 30s here in the mornings. Yeah. Um, next week's home for in the 20s and then highs, probably 40s, 50s, things like that. OK, gotcha. A little, a little cooler than I than I expected. Are y'all? Uh, do you experience the fronts that kind of come in from the Rockies or I know that East coast stuff, you get a little bit different, uh, weather patterns over there. Yeah. Um, and we do, I mean, we get some, some pretty good fronts. Um, but all, it just depends on how it hits these mountains, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, we can, we can get some, you know, single digit temps. Um, uh, I mean, the other morning I went hunting, it was uh, 11 degrees. Um, but then, you know, it could, we could get a a heat spike and it'll be 70 in December. Mm -hmm. So kind of up and down but in the mountains here it does get pretty cold yeah what have you been doing here you know as this lull approaches like what's your tactic you're going to to try to kill a big buck i'm still focusing on you know travel corridors Mm -hmm. uh saddles ahead of hollers things like that because um you know you still have some roamers um but right now uh, like we talked about earlier i'm kind of just taking some time to spend time with the family and then i'll hit it hard the next um three weeks and really, that that late later season is kind of an oddity as well. I don't know if you experience this, but it's like, you know, the does are still they're starting to get hard on food because it's late, it's getting cold, and some of the bucks are on food, but at the same time they're checking those food sources um, for does coming in heat. I mean, I killed a seven year old buck last year on December seventeenth. Wow! Uh, before I saw him, I, I was watching a two year old ten point run a doe for an hour. <laughs> Um, so it's, 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 it's really sporadic, but I think it's one of the best times to hunt. Honestly. Oh, that's a great December action. Are you still having acorns in December or are those all dried up for you? No, man, this year they are, we had a bumper crop this year. It's, really? it's made it, uh, yeah, it's made it tough hunting. Uh, mm-hmm. honestly, there's just every acorn tree has been loaded at least where we're at. So there definitely are, uh, still some acorns on the ground. Um, I have a lot of buddies that, you know, that feed corn and stuff and they told me that, they're not even getting, getting pictures on their corn because uh, there's just so many acorns. But mm-hmm. so, um, so as we look forward to the next week, here, are you going to continue on just hunting those pinch points? Or are you going to get more aggressive with any calling or any of that kind of stuff? Um, I'll hunt pinch points, but then also try to hone in on some of those food sources because while we did have a bumper crop, uh, it's now starting to get to where there's definitely some spots that are going to be hotter. Um, you know, they cleaned up. I think a lot of those acorns, uh, you know, through now, but mm-hmm. trying to find those late season spots where they haven't got them all cleaned up, mainly red oaks, mm-hmm. um, just finding those areas and then finding those close to, you know, cruising spots, saddles, and like I said, the head of uh, drainages, things like that. Shoot, man, it sounds like things are far from over in your neck of the woods. It's pretty exciting that you can still hunt good action in December. It is, man. It's it's uh, it's uh, it's it works out good for for my schedule because. Um, 
you know, having three young kids, I don't really get to go on that many trips. I usually do either an elk hunt or a rut hunt. Mm -hmm. And I, I try to hit that, that Midwest, uh, time frame out of state, you know, the first two weeks of November. And it's like, if I'm not successful, I still have the latter season here to look forward to. Cause that's when it's best in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's, that's a great way to look at it for sure. If you had to look at the next week, I know you kind of already gave us a little anticipation here, but at the next week, if you had to rank buck movement on a scale of one to 10, what would you call it? I would say a five. That's a good number. Um, yeah, I mean, middle, you know, middle of the road, I think it just depends on where you're at. But um, I'm starting to get a few more pictures during the day of uh, bucks moving, mm -hmm. um, you know, that 9, 10 o'clock range, it seems like more than anything. But I think it's still a little lullish. I think you still have some mature deer that are, that are on does, uh, locked down. Um, but I think it's just going to get better. But next week, probably about a five, I'd say. Man, that's cool, dude. A five's way better than a zero. So that's, that's, uh, right. that's a good time to be in the woods. <laughs> I appreciate the info, man. Thank you. Absolutely. There is still a lot of reason for deer hunters around the country to be optimistic. Thank you for tuning in to Refresh Radio this week, guys. I hope the information that we got from all our contributors helps you make a good decision this week to get out there and get after the deer. If you need some more content, you need some more stuff to check out, some things, some inspiration, whatever it may be, you might go check out the Wired to Hunt feed because Mark, as you remember, we alluded to earlier, he... In fact, killed the wide nine, and he has a podcast about how that went down. And then also, Tony Peterson, a guest on today's show, tells us, asks the question, how many deer are there really on the latest Foundations episode? Also, check out the description below because there are some cool videos from the Element crew that just went out on the Meat Eater feed that you for sure need to take a look at. Some big pigs go down, and also Tyler shot a really nice buck in South Dakota. I hope you all have a great rest of your season. We still have more rut action around the country to tune into, so tune in next week for another episode of Rut Fresh Radio. This has been Rut Fresh. Keep it fresh. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close... You can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls. I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give them the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So 
It's not that I don't like them. I'll just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today.